Well, good morning. If you've been coming regularly, you'll know that we're going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And uh, today we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through to 5.11. And uh, I'm just going to read that through to us. So 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the, du- we do- or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer, suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Father, as we look at your word, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and inform us, to come and to impart faith to us, to come and impart revelation to us that we might know you better in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, so far through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we've been looking at a church that is built on the Word of God, that had great shared life together and lived in the wonder of signs and wonders. We've seen that they've been motivated as a church by faith, by love, by hope. How they were built on a prophetic dream given to Paul. How they've been endued with the power of God. How they became a model church that spoke and encouraged churches across a broad area um, around them. We've seen how they've been seeking to imitate Paul in his desire to preach the gospel to please God, and to care for one another. We saw last week how they were a church that was looking to live a holy life in the power 
of the Spirit. Those are all things that we've gleaned. Be interesting how many of you think, oh yeah, that's what I heard as well. Um, and how many of us have come up with other things. But that's fundamentally what we've been looking at. But the early Christians lived in the expectation of the imminent return of Jesus. They weren't expecting life to just go on and on and on. And many of them would be unbelievably surprised to discover that 2,000 years later, we are still here. Um, and uh, this caused some issues for them, which aren't, weren't issues for us. So their first issue was, people are getting older and people are dying. We thought Jesus was gonna come back, but now our older people are dying. And people aren't dying through persecution, they're not dying through being put to death, they're just dying of old age and we weren't expecting this. What's gonna happen? What's this all about? And how do, we, how do we feel about it? How do, how do we handle this? And so Paul writes, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. It's Paul basically saying, look, people are going to die. You're going to be burying people in the church. But I don't want you to grieve like the rest of the world. See, the rest of the world has no hope. Loss is permanent. Once you've lost um, maybe a child dying in childbirth, once you've lost um, a, a parent, once you've lost a brother or a sister, a husband or a wife or a dear friend, in the world, that's it. There's, it's just the end. It's a permanence to that loss. Or maybe it's a case of this person has died. Now we must appease our ancestors. We must give gifts to make sure that the ancestors receive these people into their homes. And if we don't get the gifts right, they will be lost forever outside the family. Maybe it will be leaving the right kind of food with them so that when they die and they rise somehow, they've got something to eat beside them. It's all sorts of superstitions around death. Maybe it's making sure that there's enough people left behind who will pray for you, light a candle for you, to try and win over the favor of this mystic God out there. But it's all uncertain. For some, it's just permanent. That's it, they've gone. For others, there's the uncertainty of what's going to happen in the afterlife. And so they grieve in a way that we don't need to. But we do need to grieve when there's loss. If you really love something, if you really love someone, you feel the pain of it. Now, in a rather queer way, I really like posh pens. Okay. I like posh pens. Um, on my 50th birthday, my children were horrified when I said, I'd like a pen. 
<coughs> it's like, yeah, okay, Dad, what do you really want? I said, I'd really like a really posh pen. I said, just a solid silver, proper pen. And they got me it. <coughs> I have lost hundreds of pens. Some of them I have chewed to bits, because I do that. Some of, some of you don't chew your pens, I do. I've, I've done it hundreds of times. But the first posh pen I was ever given was when I was a school caretaker, and it was uh, a Christmas present from the head teacher. And it was a really nice posh pen. Unfortunately, this fell out of a Tesco bag when one of us was doing the shopping. And that was probably 35 years ago. I still miss that pen. <laughs> I can still see it. I can still feel what it felt like. Because it was precious to me. And when somebody precious departs, you feel the loss and you feel the pain. And that is right and it is good. But we don't grieve like the rest of the world because we know there is emptiness, there's loss, there's sadness. But we know if they're a Christian, they are alive and gone to a far, far better place. And there are, there are old, particularly, particularly old ladies who I've been sad to bury or cremate, but I've been so pleased they've gone. Not for a negative reason, but because it released them from the pain and the suffering of their old age. I've buried and cremated a lot of people which might make you worried. <laughs> but we know that they are looked after. We, we know they will go to be with Jesus. And we know that's not because they've lived a good life. I know I'm going to be with Jesus, not because I read my Bible, not because I pray, not because I try and live a good life, not become, because I come to church, church on a Sundays but because Jesus has died and risen from the dead. You can join in if you want to. <clears throat> we know there is life after death because Jesus has risen from the dead. We know there is victory over death because Jesus has risen from the dead. We know that we will join with them because we have received the, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. When we were having our, when we, you're going to hear a lot about my renovations over the next few months. It's taking when we when we paid our deposit for our renovations to begin. First thing that happened was, of course, I get a text. This is your bank. This is a fraud alert. You are trying to pay somebody. <laughs> Please ring this number. So you ring them up, you spend half an hour waiting, and then you get through to someone, and uh, you say, yeah, I'm trying to pay the builder. Are you sure they're going to come? Yes, I know where they live. It's in Ice Lodge. <laughs> and the deposit guaranteed that they were going to come 
and do the renovations, which were so going to bless you to hear about him. <laughs> and we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing that when we die, we will go to be with him. We know we will rise from the dead because Jesus has done it already. Amen? So we do not need to grieve like those, like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We have hope. But the next question in their mind was, that's okay for the dead ones, but can I rise from the dead if I'm still alive? Can I rise from the dead if I'm still alive? And uh, so Paul, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they write, and uh, in 4.17 says, Paul says, do not worry, God will send Jesus back with the dead and we will all rise together. And there is part of me that hopes I'm around, around when we fly through the air. <laughs> Isn't that going to be great? <laughs> and how many of us will be like this? Paul just ha has to reassure the church and just say, it's okay if you're alive, when Jesus comes again, you're not going to miss it. There's going to be a huge, loud voice. There's going to be trumpets. There's going to be a flash of lightning across the world. We're all going to rise together and there'll be this mighty group of people. <laughs> and then for those really, really intellectuals, you're thinking, well, that's fine. If Jesus is up there and I'm rising this way, what about those in Australia which are going that way? <laughs> do they zoom around the earth? Or does Jesus go there and we zoom around the earth? You can tie yourself in all sorts of knots like that if you wish to. All we know is when Jesus comes again, it will be like we're a flat earth. We're going up. <laughs> so Paul says, encourage one another with these words. <laughs> and if you read the passage, it's sort of, some of you are going to die, some of you are already dead, some of you are still alive, but we're all going to be with Jesus at the end of time. Encourage one another. There is hope. Jesus is coming back. Keep going. The sacrifices of serving Jesus are worth, are worth it. Paul says elsewhere, all the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, the challenges, the persecutions, the beatings, the imprisonments, the shipwrecks, all of those things, they pale in, into insignificance in comparison to the glory that is coming our way. Encourage one another with these words. Then the next question is when's all this going to take place? What's the date? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? I'll tell you what Paul writes. It doesn't matter. We don't know the date. Jesus has said we don't know the date. What we do know is it will be sudden it will be unexpected. And he uses two sort of <coughs> illustrations. How many people, this is a hands, hands up, how many people lot 
their front door when they came out this morning. Right? That's good. How many people just shut their front door? <laughs> How many people just left their front door open? No one. Why? Because we're worried if we just leave our front door open, someone might walk in and redistribute our goods. My dishwasher, which is in the living room at the moment, they may redistribute that into the back of their car. Don't even have to take the plumbing off. Because we're worried about thieves. They might come. And he uses a second illustration of a pregnant woman. Now, the funny thing about being pregnant is... I could get myself in so much trouble here. <laughs> I could get myself in so much trouble. Is <laughs> you know, you know, the birth is going to happen, right? Most of the time. But when our first child came, it was like nearly nine months of waiting, and then suddenly, whoa, this is a surprise. It's happening. In fact, it was such a surprise that when we got to the hospital, they tried to kick Leslie out and say, no, you're not, you're not, you're not having your baby. And she's like, I think I am. I think I am. And uh, it's interesting arguing with the doctor, isn't it? No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> am. And although you know it's going to happen, at the end of the day, it's a surprise. And we know Jesus is going to come, but it's still going to surprise us when he does. There's a sense of excitement and anticipation about that. He could, he could come this afternoon. And it would be, hey, this is brilliant. It could be another 3,000 years. And Paul says... We don't know when it's going to take place, but it's going to be sudden, it's going to be unexpected, but it is certain. It is certain Jesus is coming back. So he says, be prepared personally. Walk as if Jesus is coming back this afternoon. Jesus tells a parable, <coughs> so tells several parables of people who, who knew they had an event, whether it was um, some bridesmaids at a wedding, whether it's some workers in a vineyard. They said, look, <laughs> they knew the bridegroom would come. They knew the owner would come back. But some of them were unprepared. They just thought, got lazy. And they thought, well, it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter that whether I please God or not. It doesn't matter if I walk with him. He's taken a long time. It's 2,000 years so far. So it doesn't matter. But Paul says, be prepared. Live in the expectation of Jesus' return. 
I wonder how many of us would have dressed differently today if we'd known or if we knew that the Queen was coming. It's just an interesting thought that sprang into my mind. Not that, she, not that we should dress tidily for, sort of smartly, etc., for God, because he doesn't look at the outside, he looks at the inside. And if we're comfortable coming sort of in our normal clothes, that's fine. If we're comfortable dressing up, then that's great as well. But in terms of our lives, living in the presence of Jesus should affect how we live. And then he says, be encouraged corporately. Twice he says, therefore encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming back. Whether we live or die, we will live with him. And then at the end of uh, 5, in verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So he wants to encourage the church on. He says, don't rest on your laurels. Don't sit back. And the message for today is this is a church that was encouraged to be focused on eternity and let eternity shape the way we think, shape the way we spend our lives, shape the way we spend our time, shape the way we spend our money, shape the way we care for one another, shape the way that we live in the world in which we live. Live in the hope of an eternity that is sure and certain, glorious and wonderful. And Paul says, encourage one another on. Provoke, stir, push one another to live lives pleasing to God because we have a sure and certain hope. And though some may die on the way, we don't grieve as the world does. We miss we suffer loss, but we celebrate another life spent with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that on this day, the 31st of October, we look at the sure and certain hope of an eternity spent with you as your children. We thank you for the life that that gives us, the hope that that gives us, the motivation to live that that gives us. Do we ask that you will continue to encourage us and build us as a people focused on eternity, living in this world today to please you and to bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen.